Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Screen Heroes. I am Ray. I am one of your three weekly hosts. I am joined by the other two weekly hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Derek. What's up? How are you? I'm okay. How are you guys? Doing well. Happy to be here, Derek. Happy to be here. You don't look happy. Oh, I'm thrilled. You're thrilled? You can't tell? I can barely contain my excitement. That's a thrilled face. You know what they say, Ryan. Put on a happy face. That's right. Leave the building. <laughs> I think the building is his house. It's a little Joker mm. joke. So want him to leave for the audience. <laughs> it's good stuff. Let's not do that. No, no, no Joker not jokes. Yet. Not yet. Okay. All right. So we are going to talk Joker tonight. We all saw it over the weekend. And I saw it on Monday night. Actually. Okay. Sorry. I apologize. I'm fired. Get your time frame. I mean, right, that's Rachel. part of the five day box office, but not the opening weekend box office. So. Right. My I God. didn't want to give him any extra money for the weekend. <laughs> that's fair. We did see it at 10 in the morning. So. All right. All right. All right. So we saw this movie. All of us saw it. It happened. Uh, we are going to be discussing Joker, like I said. But first, we have some entertainment news. Derek is the one in charge of all this. Oh, news. I'm kicking off the news. Let's yeah, you have, are. You're the one that has the list. There's a big TV here. You can see Where? it all right in front of your face. It's not a list. Um, I didn't. I didn't say it was a list. Anyway, I wanted bullet points. Let's move on. Um, so first news. There's an update on the kind of reboot bringing back of Animaniacs. Uh, this was announced a little while back that Spielberg was going to be working with Hulu to bring back Animaniacs. I'm very excited about that, but it was announced today that all three, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, all their voice actors are returning for the new show, and it will come out in 2020. Now, Ryan, I don't know. What's your opinion on Animaniacs? Are you an Animaniac? It's fine. It's fine. I watched it, but it, I'm not nearly as obsessed and excited about it as everybody else seems to be. So, Ray, I'm on the same page. What? It's it's cool. It's a cool show, and I'm excited it's back. But like, if it never came back, the original still existed, and it's on Hulu, and I have watched it multiple times. So like, I was gonna say, like, you you're a fan. Oh yeah, I would have been fine without new content too. Like, oh wow, okay, so. This is cool. Okay. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was it cool is. that it's it's more of a uh, revival than a, you know, a reboot, so to speak. We have the... You're a revival. All right. Let's move on to the next... 
the next piece of business. Two minutes here. in, I've already angered uh, the gods. Didn't take long. <laughs> I know, right? So we're going to let's move on to some um, some Disney stuff. So good news, good news. Is G- there? Yeah. Oh, okay. So Gina Davis, uh, actor I really love. She has not acted as much recently, of course. She was in Glow, which was great. Right. Mm-hmm. season. That was good. But, you know, prior to that, she, you know, she was really 80s, 90s, and she did some amazing stuff. Um, you know, she was in Beetlejuice and Earth Girls Are Easy and A League of Their Own and uh, always been a big fan. Anyway, long story short, she has a uh, a group that focuses on um, gender equality in media specifically. And her organization has a new AI technology that is designed to read through uh, scripts and pitches and other writings and things like that and find areas of um, sexual bias, gender bias, things like that. And they have partnered, their first partner for this test pilot of the product is Disney of all places, which, I mean, that's a pretty good test pilot is like, essentially the largest movie production company in the world yeah so any thoughts on that guys well there's a few things like first of all this is a really great step towards um you know representation equality and representation and starting with disney is just fantastic because disney has come under so much scrutiny for you know racial disparities and gender disparities in the past so this is great uh it doesn't necessarily mean that everything needs to be one way or another i believe there's still a lot to be said about art that is made for certain secular groups men women black white it doesn't really matter i think there's um still a need for all of that so I don't think that's what this is eliminating. I think this is purposely going to reduce the amount of negative stereotypes or problematic tropes. And that's that's kind of what we're what I'm hoping for. Like I, I don't really need women to be accurately represented in every piece of art I take, but I also don't want to go into a movie and see, you know, rape used as motivation for a woman to be a better person or something like that. Like, I'm I'm over those kind of things. So hopefully that's where this is going. Also, Gina Davis has done a lot of production stuff and a lot of behind-the-camera things over the last uh, decade. So, you know, maybe we haven't seen her in front of the camera, but she's been very heavy-handed behind. Ryan, anything you'd like to add? I think Rachel covered most of it. I am curious if it goes both ways. Like if it's uh, mm-hmm. like if it watched read the script for the Ghostbusters movie, it was like, wow, this is really. I mean, obviously this was done with intention on that movie. Sure. But if it would be like this is really heavy female and there's virtually no male interaction in this movie, you know, it, I'm curious. And, and it says they can use for LGBTQ plus and all kinds of other things. So I'll be curious to see how that all pans out. Yeah, I mean the the way it's framed is it certainly seems like it's looking just for bias in yeah. in, in writings, right? And you know the idea is not that this is supposed to be like a rule of law kind of thing, just more of like, hey, this is where we, it sees some issues, and it's kind of designed to show people the unconscious stuff, the subconscious stuff, the things that we might not know that we're doing. Whereas, like you know, right in, in Ghostbusters, the the reboot like, that was on doing. purpose, yeah. right? I'm curious if there's going to be pushback. I feel like there's definitely going to be pushback from 
the people writing scripts and things like that, if they write it specifically with things in mind and then this scans it and is like, oh, no, you need to ha- add three female characters <laughs> if you want this to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that. I think the I think the point isn't necessarily to stop intentional stuff as much as show ways we do it unintentionally. Right, but I mean, so. if you're talking about a corporation and then yeah. they go, okay, well, you got to have at least forty percent on this scale or whatever, then yeah. you know what I mean? Because we all know that businesses are businesses and that they will set guidelines that everybody's expected to follow. So I'll be I, curious about the how all that's handled. Yeah, the follow through is really how we're going to see all this like the the algorithm the machine the whatever is going to do this can say whatever you want about it but the follow-through is going to be a lot different i imagine a lot of screenwriters will feel like their hands are tied if they're forced to go back and change things like adding characters or removing characters as opposed to just you know, switching a line here or two. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm hoping this is. I'm hoping it fixes like problematic dialogue. I'm, I'm hoping that it, you know, the MCU is a fantastic example of this. We spent all of phase one and a lot of phase two with only um, one main female hero. And then it, in phase two, it brought into Gamora and uh, Scarlet Witch. So we got two more and that and really only a one black hero right right. like and he was more of a sidekick than anything else exactly exactly so like that is the problematic thing more characters should have been introduced in the beginning and uh, it should have been it was very the balance was unfair and now they're paying the price for it they're 20 movies in and they just now had a female-led film and so like there's the problematic stuff it it could have been changed it could have been altered you know i i'm excited for the black widow movie next year but i also feel like they kind of missed the boat on that they killed her off for god's sakes like i know they have the time stone and they can do a lot of stuff but like it just seems like too little too late at this point but that's what i'm hoping this rectifies i'm not hoping that we see the entire change of movies or entire scope of movies change but that's fair okay So this is kind of a good segue. We'll segue into the MCU stuff. So um, for those who've been following along, they have released box sets of the first two phases of the MCU. And Um, what if we haven't been following along? Is the story still for us? I mean, actually, it's more for those people, really. <laughs> uh, so if you bought the first two phase box sets, you know, they were they were pretty cool. The first one came with the Tesseract in the briefcase. Um, the second one was the orb um, from Guardians of the Galaxy. And um, they all came with just really nice artwork with the cases and stuff by Matt Ferguson, who's one of my favorites. Go check out his stuff. He does amazing amazing work. Um, so they have tasked him again to do the entire infinity saga collection. So it's all 23 movies, his artwork again. Um, anyone want to guess the price point for this? This thing boy? is over $500. Yeah. I already knew the price. Yeah. Point, okay. So it's not yeah, really a guess, but we did five forty nine ninety nine. Yep. Uh, for 23 films. So, you know, it's a big one. If you've waited 11 years to buy your dvds uh i guess this would be your opportunity to do so but it's uh it's a nice set of course it comes with a bunch of stuff there's a you know a nice lithograph and things like that but it does not look like they're doing a phase three box set a dedicated phase right. three box set there's been no announcements no information on that um as someone who has the first two phase box sets that's pretty disappointing 
um, because I don't yeah. think you I'm, also already have that lithograph, don't you? Uh, no, it's not. That's a new one for oh, the okay. specific box set. Gotcha. Um, so same artist though. It includes all twenty three Marvel films and a bonus disc. Um, when you factor that together, it is twenty two dollars per disc. That's well, there. I think it's dual discs. It's got a four K disc and a Blu Ray disc. So okay. then, what eleven dollars so, a disc? Just saying. That is nice. It's che- it's cheaper than if you were to go out and buy each movie, probably. But some of these, you know, have gone down in price over the years. And if yeah. you get them their first week out, they're usually twenty bucks. Um, but yeah, there's there's some nice bonus stuff here. You get you get a letter from Kevin Feige. Um, it's probably not addressed to you, but, but maybe. You know, well, then I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I don't really see the point unless you just really want all the movies. All the bonus content that's on the extra disc is going to be on YouTube within like a week. So, yeah, I mean, in 2019, it, it's hard. Like, I bought the the phase box sets because, first off, I mean, that's cool props that was, with them. The, yeah, exactly. The cool props were the huge selling point, right? Because some of these came out a while ago, so discs were still more important back then. You know, people like when the first one came out, I was you know still doing a lot of disc based stuff. Um, that is significantly less now. And so, if there's no cool prop, there's no Infinity Gauntlet or whatever um and it's just the discs i mean i would imagine most people who wanted the discs already own most of them right maybe you don't own phase three like me because you were waiting for that box set but otherwise you know have you were you really waiting all the way till now for that iron man disc like probably not right (laughs) um so I don't know. I mean, look, if you're out there and you want to get it, by all means, knock yourself out. It looks really nice. I'm, I'm sure that the quality is probably pretty good. Yeah, I'll so. be passing on that. <laughs> I don't know. The collector in me kind of wants it, but yeah, I don't think I could ever really justify, you know, half of a thousand dollars. Well, if you <laughs> want, you could go buy uh, each of the phase three movies individually and then also by the hasbro infinity gauntlet and make then, our own yeah you guys <laughs> get a cool it. you guys get a cool infinity gauntlet and perfect all the movies i love it i, I like that idea i mean Same. once once Done. you add tax this sets over six hundred dollars yeah you're right you know so. that's how tax works in america and probably other countries too <sighs> All right. No, actually, most other countries have to build it into the price. If they have extra really? charges when they check out, the a lot of the, uh, especially European and um, Asian countries, are allowed to ask for refunds. Wow. Yeah. Today I learned. So, so you, guys, you guys want to talk about Scorsese a little bit? Uh, I, I think I'll leave that to mostly you guys because you seem to feel very, well, at least Derek feels very strongly about it, so... Scorsese just, he said that, you know, the uh, the superhero films aren't cinema. And kind of similar to what, didn't Todd Phillips say something like that when he was promoting yes. Joker? Yes, he did. He Todd. wanted to do a real movie or something like that. Like, he snuck a real film yeah. into a comic book movie. Robert Downey Jr. responded just earlier today, and he's he has. A good middle of the road answer. Like Scorsese's obviously a wonderful filmmaker. He's done all kinds of crime and low life and mobster, and he even did a movie about Jesus at one point. So, like, he's obviously talented. 
But I can see why he just immediately gets a little dejected or even jealous when these comic book films come out and they're already like most of them will make just a ton of money based on, you know, name alone, let alone content. So it it can steal box office numbers. It, it steals attention away from some other films. And while this isn't a problem for Scorsese, people are going to see The Irishman just like they saw The Departed and, uh, you know, oh, God, what are some of his other films? What does he do? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. There- well, this, this came up because he was promoting The Irishman, right. which is the new Netflix film starring uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci came out of retirement. Mm-hmm. So. so like he's people are going to go see that. This isn't a problem for him. This is a problem for indie filmmakers whose movies are probably really good, but never sees, you know, more than a week. In, in the spotlight why do you why make a comment like that i mean you get directors like taika watiti that I, are indie filmmakers that crossed over to marvel and yeah. he's not talking shit on either one he's I, yeah you're totally right i think it's it comes down to completely and utter jealousy yeah I and mean, not like financial jealousy he's obviously still getting oscars and everything taika it's came up what thor ragnarok and then went to jojo rabbit right yeah. now he's going back to thor and it's like you know i don't see why well it comes off as very elitist and that's that that's what i have a problem with like i don't think he's jealous of the money i think he's bothered by the popcorn concept Right, this idea that, that it's an amusement park ride or whatever. Right, said, that yeah. if a movie isn't real raw human emotional bullshit and it's just a fun entertaining thing on a screen that for some reason doesn't count. And aside for- from the fact that that's just nonsense and the name the word cinema has a definition and he can look it up, but um, it's also the fact that without those movies, without the billion dollar films, his industry doesn't exist anymore. Okay, people aren't going to be able to prop up movie theater chains like AMC and all of these massive production companies for these smaller, low budget, low brow films that people aren't taking families to. They're not taking children to. I don't know for a fact, but I don't think any of his movies are underrated R. Maybe he's got some PG 13s in there, but he's well, not to really touch the human soul. You have to hit hit the R rating. I mean, most of most of his films are mob films. Right. That's most of what he's really focused on. There's obvious exceptions. He's done a ton of films, but he doesn't do family stuff. You're not taking the kids to these movies. And that's where movies make their money. When instead of bringing two people to the theater, you're bringing four people to the theater. Right. That's where the money comes in. And you're buying popcorn and you're having sodas because you're having it's a night. It's an event. It's a good time. You're not there to watch something. And you don't build a theater with 30 theaters because you're going to have Martin Scorsese movies, you know, playing on all the all the screens. Exactly. It's not how it works. Now, indie films. Indie, now, now, some of what he, now, of course, not everything he's done are, are indie That's films. True. They're just they're serious. He does a lot of Oscar bait films. Right. If we're going to you know trade, you know, little punches like he does Oscar bait stuff. Every movie he does, he wants to win an Oscar for. And I think that contrasts. And he usually does. (laughs) Then that's fair. Again, this, I'm not talking about the quality of his stuff. Obviously he knows what he's doing, but I think it's elitist. And I think that it, it basically dismisses the part of the industry that keeps the industry moving forward, that keeps it profitable, that keeps it exciting and keeps people engaged. Well, if you want to break it down, it is to have a very, 
cheap analogy. It's like the artsy drama kid getting mad at the, you know, football games for bringing more money to the school than the plays do. Like, it's sure the attention's not always on you and that kind of sucks. But at the same time, the whole school benefits. So kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just a lot of people have, you know, hit back with their own statements. Whedon, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, yeah. James Gunn was the first one to comment back. So. James Gunn just seemed like honestly disappointed in Scorsese for, for that. Because, um, I mean, basically he's insulting Gunn's entire career, you know. Um, yeah, he's done some other stuff, of course, but his name's really been made in the more, quote, popcorn flicks, which for some reason is an insult. I don't know. Spielberg created the popcorn flicks. It was created with Jaws. That was the very first blockbuster. That's what cinema historians pinpoint as. And Spielberg has done his share of artsy-fartsy fucking films. That's so, true. <laughs> like, let's not even debate that. And then there's um, the whole that we have seen over the last decade. These movies become more than just popcorn films. Like, you can't tell me... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That movies like The Dark Knight and uh, Iron Man are also incredibly interesting human pieces. Like Captain they, America Winter Soldier. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They are fantastic pieces. Outside of the genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. And I mean, people know know the, the theater industry for films like Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? Popcorn and, films. And Toy Story and Independence Day, right? Jurassic Park. Those those are the, the tentpole films. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anyway, that's our rant on that nonsense. Um, we are kind of near the 20-minute mark, so maybe we should move on to our review. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to talk about with Joker. It's it's full of talking points. So we are going to go on a very quick break for our Twitch watchers, and I, Facebook will just have to deal with us talking some more. Hello, everyone. This is Ray from the Heroes Podcast Network. Currently, you've probably heard me on a show called Screen Heroes, where we discuss movies and uh, TV shows about superhero, sci-fi, and a little bit of fantasy. Well, I love fantasy so much, I am starting a brand new podcast about fantasy television series. We are going to review 
These series, in a bit more detail than what Screen Heroes usually does, will discuss multiple episodes for a whole continuous arc and then move on to another series. Spellbound will review shows, new shows like The Witcher, Good Omens, Carnival Row, and Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. We're also going to look back at previous shows such as American Gods and Avatar The Last Airbender, old miniseries from the 90s like Leprechauns and the Tenth Kingdom, and we're going to do a movie here and there, maybe even a little bit of fantasy upcoming news. Who knows? You'll be able to follow Spellbound at SpellboundCast on Twitter for the latest fantasy news about the show, about the upcoming shows that we'll be discussing. You can also listen to us Fridays, coming in September. All right, guys. Thank you for uh, listening to that ad. Thanks for yeah. sticking with us. Hopefully We're going to continue. Like listening to everything we do now. Yes. Listen to all of it. Mwahaha. Okay, so we're going to talk about Joker. This movie debuted this last weekend, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, and it was directed by um, super douche Todd Phillips. So real quick, we'll just go over the box office numbers because in this case, it's actually pretty relevant. Uh, the movie did very well. It made just over $96 million its opening weekend here domestically in the United States. Um, no, it was was no contest. Number but two, real films don't make that money. <laughs> uh, number two was Abominable at $11.9 million in its second week. And in its third week at third place is Downton Abbey, just under $8 million. So there was nothing in the top 10 that even, you know, came close to, to Joker, um, over to date, it's, it's made 258 million worldwide. Do we know what the budget was? 55, 55, 55 million. So it's made over five times, about five times its budget at this point, uh, which is obviously a financial success. Um, no way around that. So, um, you know, it did really well is the largest, um, October opening weekend ever for mm-hmm. a film in any genre of any kind. Um, for some perspective, Venom did take it uh, last year, but um, Joker beat it out by $16 million. So it's a pretty large jump. Um, and as far as DC goes, it is actually DC's uh, seventh largest opening weekend film ever um, behind Wonder Woman and then Man of Steel, Suicide Squad, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises and uh, BVS with Justice League, Aquaman, and Watchmen filling out the top 10 at the bottom there. So it did very, very well in its opening weekend. Um, Where do you guys want to start with this one? Also, first and foremost, there is a lot of controversy around this film. And I do kind of want to talk about Venom because I believe that there are some uh, connections back and forth. I, I think it's a good comparison. Uh, but we always do our spoiler-free reviews first, so we're going to do that from here on out. There will be spoilers. Got it? We'll do our quick little reviews, and then after spoilers. Okay, so no, not spoilers yet. Right. Okay. Correct. Ryan, why don't you go first? You saw it most recently. <laughs> By one day. <laughs> By one day. Um, It was fine. Like, the third act was pretty good, I think. Um, The first two acts were were not as great for me. Um, overall, I think that the the performance, uh, Joaquin Phoenix' performance alone is probably worth seeing the movie for if you're into this type of movie. 
Um, but otherwise, if you're not sure that you're going to like it, then you can probably catch it at home and when it comes out, and it's probably fine. But the third act is, is very strong. Uh, it ends on a strong note, but I don't think it's enough to pull up the rest of the film for me. That's fair. Ray, what about you? This movie wasn't really for me. I will piggyback on top of that and say that Joaquin was incredibly great. Um, even De Niro is pretty good. You know, he he has a much smaller role than what I originally thought he was going to be when he was announced for this. But yeah, he and Joaquin are pretty great. Um, it, it, not really for me. And I'll go into a bit more detail what points aren't. But I'm glad I saw it. I, I don't take it back. I just, I don't think I really want to see it again. Fair enough. Um, for me, I mean, just in general, so those who've been listening to the show would know that I wasn't actually looking forward to seeing the movie anyway. I was kind of not into it to begin with, but yeah, I didn't even know we were um, reviewing it this week sorry. because you guys are so, well, more you were wishy-washy on it than anything else. <laughs> sorry. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, in general, it was it was basically exactly what I thought it was going to be, in all honesty. Um, it was slower than I thought it was going to be. Phoenix does do a very good job. I mean, if he's nominated for, for Best Actor, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I can't say he's guaranteed because I haven't seen all of the other films that you know are going to have somebody nominated. But um, So he's very good. But overall, I found it kind of slow, a little boring at times. Um, and I found it to be just exactly what I thought it was. Um, and... Uh, Honestly, I'm not mad that I saw it, but if we had just not reviewed it and I hadn't ever seen it, I think I'd be fine, which is, you know, that's what that is. So let's do, um, well, before we go into our, well, let's, do, let's go into our spoiler warning here real quick. We have a, a comment in our chat on Twitch. So we can call that out. I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit, but um, this person, uh, Amy Chibi, thinks that it's a good character movie. Um, but that this Joker is not a criminal mastermind at all, really. And that, uh, any of the Batman we've seen, I'm assuming they mean in live action would be able to, to take this Joker down pretty, pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's fair. I mean, he's not a criminal mastermind at, at all. There's no real emphasis on that. I mean, he commits crimes, um, but he's not like leading a, a, a gang or a group of, uh, of people or anything like that. And he's not, you know, a physical threat, but Joker rarely is. Yeah, He never really goes um, toe to toe with Batman in terms of fighting. Unless no. you're talking injustice and that's just a weird video game. <laughs> <universe>. weird. <laughs> no, no, but you know, there's not a whole lot of, uh, uh, of planning and thought out stuff that happens in, in most of the movie. A lot of it is, you know, very uh, knee jerk, like emotional reaction stuff. You know, yeah. whereas the Joker historically is shown to be, you know, very chaotic um, an anarchist, but very calculated at the same time. Yeah, and I think even the worst Batman, Christopher Nolan's Batman, uh, <laughs> would have no problem beating the Joker. I do think that it's it's, it's important to note that this is not, this is like an origin yes. movie. Mm -hmm. You get to see like eight seconds of the of the well, well, probably more than that, but like less Call than ten, 10 minutes, minutes yeah. of the of what you would call Joker, mm -hmm. right? So you know, it's hard to judge that. I thought the same thing, but then I was also thinking, because I was talking to a friend earlier, and, and I was like, yeah, 
you really don't get to see the Joker do that much. And yes, there's no criminal mastermind anything with what he does when he's the Joker, but it's the first 10 minutes of him like realizing that this is who he is and showing the world that this is who he is. So, you know, yeah, I agree to an extent, but it's hard to say for sure. Um, all right, well then let's, let's dive into things uh, where anyone have an area that they would like to start. So uh, let me just start first and foremost. That that is one of my big problems with this film. First of all, uh, Gotham, the Waynes, and the Joker are such side notes that I feel like this movie started out like you could wipe those things away and you're still left with a damn good story. And I'd almost like it a lot more if it had nothing to do with Batman or comic books or anything, because that that's my huge problem is that this isn't the Joker. They made his laughing thing a neural tick and they they pushed a mentally ill man to his absolute breaking point and nobody around him like he was never in a good nurturing environment he was never he could never really trust anybody around him so like he goes off the deep end and hurts people and has zero remorse about it afterwards which is a huge um symptom of psychosis is feeling zero empathy so you you remove Joker, you remove the signs in the background that say Arkham or Gotham, and this is a film set in the late 1970s, early 80s about a mentally ill man down on his luck in New York City. And I think I might have liked it a bit better that way. Yeah, I mean, I th- I th- I, that's interesting. I, I don't think that would have made me like it anymore. Um, like I'm, I'm totally okay with this being separate from quote DC canon or, or whatever. I really wasn't looking at it through those lenses at all. Um, I, I have a lot of story problems with the movie that we'll get to later. Um, I, I do want to mention the Gotham thing is kind of interesting though. This is the most normal Gotham I think has ever been portrayed at least maybe outside of like the Adam West sixties Batman because, it, I and I know it's modeled off of this, but I just kept forgetting we were in Gotham and thinking it was New York City. Um, you know, it's the trash strike, which was a real thing, and it, the buildings all look like you know downtown New York kind of stuff. And I just kept looking at it, and I had to remind myself that this is this is Gotham. I don't know. What, what about you guys? I mean, yeah. I didn't put that much thought into it. I mean, I, yes, you're right. It does look more like a normal city than other Gothams have, for sure. Um, the the laughter being a, a tick, um, I actually liked that. Yeah. Because I, I feel like with Joker, it's hard to identify with him as a person. Like, you don't... Uh, you sometimes forget that he's just a guy, right? Like, yeah. he's, he's more of a monster than anything else. And so uh, relating him to a human that he has this, you know, that this is a tick for him. You know, you see him getting a crap beat out of him, not in this movie, but like in other cinema by Batman getting all his face punched in and whatever and laughing about it. And you can't really relate to that. But like, I guess a lot of people could probably more relate to the fact that like it's a 
it's a condition, not just like he thinks this is funny that he's getting the crap beat out of him. For me, it was easier to accept that. I I don't care that much okay. about Joker as a character, but it, so it doesn't bother me that his that that was changed. Is it problematic to relate to Joker? Um, I mean. Y- you any villain you're any good villain you need to relate with on some level i think because if you don't then it's like why killmonger right was a great villain i'm not saying i'm not comparing this joker to killmonger i'm just saying that (laughs) there's there's a lot of the great villains when you think of the best villains they weren't like mustache twirling like you know guys that don't have any the worst villains in the mcu are the ones that you can't relate to at all and can't understand why they became the way they are and this joker at least like he seemed human and seemed like somebody uh you know you could you could see people in your life unfortunately that have been maybe in in positions where they were on a low point in their life or you know somebody with a tick or you you know so there's there's ways that you can make it more human for me anyway it was less of an issue than it was for you guys i think if that um, makes any well, sense no, i kind I, of rambled there i'm not my my issues are not so much with this version of the Joker doesn't line up with other versions of the Joker. Um, that's not really where my problems lie. You know, like I'm not I, saying that's where most of your problems uh, lie. I just think I mean, I don't a really, lot of people had issues with that. I know a lot of people did. And I mean, they maybe were, you know, the three of us are just a little more plugged in. Like I was fully aware that this was going to be a very different story and not connected to anything else. And so I already, I, I'm, I went into the movie knowing all of that. And if I know that going into it, then I'm, I'm fine. It's, you know, it's when you're telling me it's connected and then you make a bunch of changes that I get bothered. Um, I think my, my issues really surround my, my issues deal with, I want to, my biggest problems I want to save until later in the conversation. So I want to talk around them a little bit, but Todd Phillips, came out a lot in defense of his movie. Um, again, he's the director and, you know, people were concerned myself included that this movie was going to, in, to in some way uh, glorify somebody who is mentally ill or mentally unstable and glorify their violence against other people feeling justified to do whatever it is that they do. And he was very adamant that that was not the case and he wouldn't shut up about that not being the case and us being over reactors. And he was full of shit, in my opinion. Um, the climax of the film is Arthur standing on a cop car that's been destroyed, surrounded by a mob of clowns who are burning the city to the ground with like his hands up in the air, like, you know... I, you know, just taking in all of the glory with his followers around him. And if that isn't the glorification of that character, then it's not possible to glorify that character then. Um, Cause the rest of the movie is just, this guy is, he's sad. He's depressed. He's poor. He has a very weird relationship with his mother. That's unhealthy. And he has no real friends. He has no real social life. He's beat up and pushed around and bullied and so two thirds of the movie are just really depressing and sad. And then he snaps. Right. Um, and he, it's basically a 60 minute explanation for why he did what he did. And then the city essentially rewards him for it by him becoming the symbol of this massive movement to burn the city down with any violent means necessary, culminating in the death of Bruce's parents in in the scene that we've seen a million times over already. Um, I think that's my second biggest problem with the movie. 
I'm I'm tired of mentally ill people being used as cold killers. You know, I know a lot of people with mental illness. I myself have depression, anxiety, uh, PTSD, a few other things that just add up here and there. So, um, like, this man had circumstantial weight added to him his entire life. He he said flat out that he he's never felt happy a moment in his life, that all he has are negative thoughts and... You know, a person like that can be driven to extremes, but the Joker is historically so violent, so cold, so lacking in empathy that I was really hoping they weren't going to go with somebody who was just sick and had a really, you know, crap life, you know, because that's it's not always the case. And it definitely paints mentally ill people in a poor lights and it's why anytime there is a mass shooting people immediately go with oh well we need more mental health and we need to focus on mental health and that's not always the case so so that's a fair point and i don't really have anything to say about that that's (laughs) that's more of like a personal opinion about like the usage of mental health people absolutely like so i'm not trying to this is completely subjective um as far as derek's point of the glorification of this i i was worried about that too and and even watching the movie and i started to feel myself empathize with the character right and when it's sad in the beginning and the things that are happening to him are sad and and you watch a man get beat down and just driven to to the worst and yes so you empathize with arthur um but this is where i think we disagree a little bit i don't think it was glorifying what it was i think that it was very clear in the sense that this guy was still doing bad things and a villain um he was the it's 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 a weird line to walk be and maybe not one that should have been walked but he's clearly the protagonist of the movie um but that doesn't necessarily mean he's the hero of the movie or you know the good guy of the movie because there's no real good guys in this movie no. other than maybe like the cops that were just trying to do their job and got killed or yeah. Alfred that was trying to protect Bruce um you know there there's no real good guys and so i i thought it was pretty clear in the i like i didn't come out going man if i just kill some cops and like roll some cars <laughs> then i'm going to be a hero among all these weirdos wearing clown masks or anything like that Maybe there's I'm not saying that there's nobody that would feel that way because there's there's probably a lot of people that would feel that way. But I thought it was very clear that even in the end, he was still the bad guy and it didn't really I mean, I can see I can definitely see your side of it. So I'm not trying to argue it with lucky landslots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, I know. I I think my problem is there wasn't a good guy whatsoever. Thomas Wayne was so smarmy and problematic. I like that. I did too. I did too. Because they're all, <laughs> the Waynes are always painted as saints and that is... It's because you're always seeing them through Bruce's eyes, yeah. I think. And that's so why I liked seeing them as this is not through Bruce's eyes. They are just dicks. No, mm-hmm. I mean, 
the only other person I would add to the list as a good person might be uh, his coworker who witnessed. Yeah. I yeah. can't remember his Gary. name. Gary. It was Gary. You. you know, like I guess he's a good guy. I mean, he doesn't report Arthur. I'm assuming. I don't know if that makes him a good guy or a bad guy for not reporting a murder. It's kind of complicated, but he seemed like he was just trying to be. I a feel nice like person. he did report I mean, him because yeah. the cops were going after him when he was on his way to the studio. Yeah, but so like, do you they think... were already going on, on after him. So I, they were already trying to get him. That don't you think if like a murder no. had been reported, they would have brought oh, more I th- people? I think between the time that time Gary left and the time that everything happened on TV was probably only a matter of hours. And, yeah. you know, even back then, it's not like the our penal system was fast. Like, you could have, he could have been there at a station like reporting this for hours taking news so yeah that's fair that's fair. like we don't know so we don't know like, his he, character he just be, kind of falls off but yeah like denier's character is an absolute ass and uh you know we've we've seen plenty of people over the last couple of years map out just exactly how much billions of dollars really are and how anybody who is a billionaire is basically hoarding wealth from the populace so you know the Waynes aren't looking very good at this point either and there's i i think that get to see martha that's a huge well that's a huge problem like if nobody is a good guy in this movie then you have no moral pinnacle to say that the Joker's actions were wrong. You know, I'm not saying that Murray needed to have his head blown off in the middle of his show, but do needed a swift punch to the face. Well, I think he, your moral, moral pinnacle in this movie is yourself. Like there's clear, cause there's you're right. There's nobody in the movie. So you just have to yeah. know, like as long as you know that killing people is bad. Well, so I, th- <laughs> I think that's, that's part of my point though, is that if you're one of those people who thinks other people do deserve to die, and you're watching that character and you see that, you know, maybe glorify is it's a semantic thing and it's not that's not the appropriate word. But you see a guy who on, on the subway, he shoots he's those rewarded. guys and he he's self-defense at first. Right. He's getting beat up and he shoots those guys in self-defense. And I think most of us, if that's the only thing he does, look at that and go, man, that's horrible that he had to do that. But those guys could have killed him. Right. And but that's not where it goes. He chases down the third guy and makes sure he dies. And then he, you know, kills his coworker and it just escalates from there. And as it escalates, the support around him actually grows to the point where they stage a, a car wreck to rescue him from the police and raise him above the entire cr- crowd of, of clowns. And so if you're in the audience and you are a person who thinks that, you know, not only is being a bil- billionaire wrong, but those people deserve to die. And you believe that. And I, there are people out there that believe that. And then you watch this movie, that character is rewarded for thinking that. And that's my problem. My, my problem is that this is a person who has failed by the system. And that's kind of glossed over. Like it is brought up that like, you know, his his um, counseling funding is lost. And things See, I like thought that. that was like a super heavy handed message of the movie. Like one of the main themes of the movie that was he's trying to be clever and like have a theme in the movie. But then it's like <laughs> so heavy handed that it doesn't make any sense. That stuck with me a lot because that is in the United States. If you're an American citizen and you're listening to this podcast, you can look up exactly how much social services and public welfare um 
groups have been defunded. Like that is a literal problem that we have currently right now. That like healthcare loses money every single day. Pharmaceutical companies jack up their prices every single day, and Americans are suffering because of it. Mental health and physical health are, you know, just completely ignored and people are desperate and dying. So that stuck with me as a really good message. The way it was delivered was the problem for me. It was just like super heavy handed. Like if you're going to be be somewhat subtle about it and like let the audience figure out that this is a bad thing. I wish saying, oh, how am I supposed to get my medication now? I I stopped taking my medication. The three of us took it completely different ways. I find that really interesting. I wish they would have shown other people suffering because of it, to be completely honest. I wish he was in, you know, not just one on one, but also group therapies, too. And like if she had made that announcement to multiple people and said, well, you all have to, we can't help any of you. Counseling's gone. We can't get any of your medication or something like that. Then you see multiple people's reaction. He is, by the time she says that to him, he just looks like, well, of course it is. Of course. Like the whole world has always let me down. Why wouldn't it be? But if we had seen like, somebody who was making a lot of progress and his life is was on an a pill then i could have i don't know i feel like it would have added more depth to the story if you see more people affected by this and not just him well and the way i took it is kind of the, i saw what you saw ryan but took it a different way whereas I thought it happened so quickly and like so much was done in those scenes so fast that it was, it was, it was thrown in. So that way Todd Phillips could stand up and say, but look, we were talking about how the system failed him when like, if that's what you really wanted to do and paint this as a story of, we need to stop failing people. I think that's a very different message and a very different movie, but I think that's what he was going for. But yeah, they were, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like they were added in just so he could say, that that's what they were doing because the rest of the movie the movie the movie focuses on so many other things for such extended periods of time that that becomes like this leftover thing of like yeah maybe that was an impact you know um but it's not just the system like let's not just focus on that because that is not what led arthur fleck no, to of this life not. of violence and hyper crime uh, his by the end of the movie, you realize that there was nobody in his life that he could trust. You know, for a while, you think he has a relationship with a woman down the hall who I don't think we get her name or not. I think it's just his neighbor. Were played you guys by surprised Zazie by Beats. that twist? Because I've right. heard people on both sides of it. And so I'm curious where you guys are at. This starts to begin what my the, the crux of the problem is for me. Um I knew some of the movie was probably going to be in his head when he like knocks on her door and like goes in and they start making out or whatever. I was very surprised by that. I thought that was really weird. Um, I did think she had gone to the comedy show. I thought that had happened and they had had like a date kind of thing. Um, But when you, when you find out that that relationship didn't happen at all, like at all at all. And then you find out, that his mother's been lying to him this entire time. And then you find out that, you know, maybe Thomas Wayne is lying to him the entire time. And then you find out that at the end of the movie, he's 
in that Arkham hospital talking to somebody. Yeah. The actual issue with the movie is maybe none of that happened. Maybe all of it happened. Maybe all of it happened differently. Maybe none of it did at all in any way. Maybe Todd Phillips just played American Psycho on repeat for six months. But American Psycho is a better movie than this. Do you, do you have a problem with American Psycho? Because it ended in a very, or it had a very similar. So here's why I don't have the same problem with American Psycho. In American Psycho, there are certain things. First off, there is a narrator in American Psycho. Calling your protagonist the narrator when he doesn't narrate doesn't really work for me. So there is no, uh, what's the term, Uh, unreliable narrator? There's no unreliable narrator in Joker because there's no narrator in Joker. You have an unreliable point of view in Joker. And that's a different statement. In American Psycho, your narrator is unreliable, but there are things that happen that prove that certain things actually occurred in that movie in certain ways. So there are things you know are in his head. There are some things that are questionable and there are some things that you know did happen. Versus in Joker, there's not a single line in that movie, not a single shot in that movie that I know happened. Not one. And that means that the story completely isn't anything. Right. The scene in the bathroom with Thomas Wayne. Did that scene happen? Did it happen differently? Did it happen that way? Who lied? Who didn't lie? Is he Thomas Wayne's son? Is his mom just, you know, a liar? Is was the entire time was he in the hospital, the entire movie? And it's, you know, the waking up in the shower on Dallas and the whole movie never even happened. I don't know. Do you guys know? No, I can't definitively say. So, no, I mean I'm not one of the people that made the film, so it's hard no, to say I, for sure. I but, know, but as, but I mean, as, as a viewer, as a know? viewer, I feel like for me it was clearer what happened, and maybe I'm completely wrong on that. But I didn't, I didn't have an issue determining what I thought was real and what was wrong, what was not real. So was he Thomas Wayne's son or not? No. Why not? Because there were adoption papers that he found. But Bruce, Christmas. but Thomas Wayne's a billionaire, and if he wanted to bury that, sure. he could have made it's the paperwork, possible. Right? Yeah, but that, I don't think that's a problem with <laughs> Arthur Fleck. I think that's a problem with Thomas Wayne and that story. Arthur, Fle- I don't think he imagined any of that. I think that he could. Sure, he, I'm, you, I mean, you're, you're going to keep bringing up no, no, that but, he could have, and I get that. We saw him imagine very real things. So when Thomas Wayne tells him it's fake, but the things that he that he seemed to imagine for me all seemed fairly fantastical, but not maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, it was pretty easy for me to tell what I thought was real and what wasn't. And I could be wrong. Like so I said. at the end of the movie, do you think that he was just arrested at some point yes. after the mob and he's just retelling the story? And then he killed the lady in the room and walked out. Yes. Okay. No, I don't think he was retelling the story. I think that he just got caught and that's just how they, and Oh, they the just movie. cut to yeah. some session. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Right. What about you? It's impossible to definitively say. Like, yeah, of you're course. right about that. Absolutely. Like when you put it in those words, then yeah, absolutely. Now, there there were a couple points where I thought that a single mom living in a poverty, violent neighborhood wouldn't go after somebody as unstable like that. Um, it like on the date. When she says that she thinks the guy is a hero, I I was like, that seems so out of character. Like, it, a person like that would want to protect their child at all costs, and being with somebody that you don't really know and you let them into your home, it just didn't click for me. So when it turned out to be completely imagined by him or, you know, a product of his desire, then 
I I felt a little bit better about Zazie Beetz character throughout the whole thing. I was like, well, that makes way more sense. But you're right. He is an unreliable source. Everything could be wrong. We don't know if he was adopted or not because we saw that picture with the TW on the back. We don't know if his mom was also just full of shit and concocted all of this. <laughs> we She's obviously a very terrible mother because there are records of him being like chained to a radiator. So it, that kind of abuse at that young of an age can completely destroy your mentality and you could be a very unreliable not adjusted person so in regards to zazie beats character i i knew that it that had to be the case partially i want to think say i'm clever but it's not really <laughs> that so much as there was a bunch of people talking about all the twists and you know so i was looking for something like that but like the scene that gave it away to me immediately was the scene that you were mentioning where he walks in and i think you mentioned it where he walks in and just instantly starts making out with her i was like this is totally fantastical there's no way this happened so i think the the only reason i followed along with it is because it's a joker movie it's not just a random character movie and the joker has had love interests like harley who went along with a character like yeah. that. But she see, she was pretty out there herself. And Zazie Beetz was, when you saw her character, she seemed very grounded and normal. So that's I mean, where maybe. it was kind I, of a... I think having it be a Joker film colored a few things for me, though. You know, for example, I, I thought the twist was going to be that Arthur ends up being Bruce's brother because in the comics, actually, was kind of has a brother. That would be interesting. Certain lines, right? And I was like, so they're going to go that route, and that would be really interesting. That would be really interesting, especially if Arthur knew it and Bruce never knew it, right? And that would explain like the whole thing, right? Of tormenting his brother for all those years. So I kind of glossed over the relationship, I think. But the problem is that we we see all these scenes through his eyes, then we get to see them again later, not happening, right? But then. It just calls in the question anything else that we saw. Was he really attacked on the subway or does, did he just picture himself being attacked on the subway? Did he just murder three innocent guys or did they really attack him? You know, what about his coworker, right? Did he really give him the gun or did he get a gun some other way? You know, I, it just throws the whole thing in the question. I for think me. we understand that. So, I mean, it, you, we get yeah, that. We, yeah. get. we get that point. We get what you're saying. It, it, it just makes, it just ruins any semblance of meaning for me. Yeah. I didn't have nearly as much of a problem with that as you did personally, but cuz like the way he acts on the show when he actually goes on Murray's show, the way he's acting on that show is kind of how he acts on the date that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he plans this stuff out in his head you ahead know? of time. It shows him rehearsing what right. he's going to do on no, the show. I know, but I just mean did that happen? We we yeah. get it. Derek. you're I'm questioning just, everything. But we got it. It just it means that it just takes away any of the power for me. I don't know. Um, what did you think of the scene? Of course, we had to see with Bruce's parents dying again in the, <laughs> in the alleyway. Right. Oh, me? Sure. I mean, on the one hand, I am glad they didn't make it the Joker. I do love when it's Joe Chill and not Joker. Yeah. On the other hand, we get it, man. The Waynes always have to die. <laughs> we get it. It's... It's so overdone at this point. Like, what are you going to do now? Are you going to wait like five, ten years and do a sequel where he faces Batman as an elderly man? Like, (laughs) can we not? (laughs) He's only like 40, right? Yeah. And Bruce Wayne is eight. Yeah. 
But I mean, when he's 60, he's, I mean, he, he becomes Batman at like 18, right? So, you know, when he's 60, Batman will almost be 30. It'll no, be right. he doesn't become Batman at 18. Like, that's what Gotham did. But in the comics, it's widely considered that at 18, he left home, trained a bunch. Training. Yeah. Train and when Batman. he came back, he was 30. It was the whole Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in the Bible disappears from 12 to 30. Okay. So, like, All right. well, Jesus then. Christ was going to Tibet to train in martial arts. I'm glad you brought up Gotham, though, because... Coming out of this movie, I was like, man, so the 90% audience score on Rotten Tomato. So many people had issues with the fact that in Gotham, all these characters, not all of these characters, a lot of these characters are young adults or just all, all you know, no, adults, 20, yeah. mid 20s, 30s, whatever. And Batman was a teenager. A child, yeah. 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 Or a kid, even, yeah, through some of it. But then in this movie, it's great, guys. We love it. Like, make up your mind, right? Are you going to like I've it ha- or are you going to have a problem it? with both? I know you did. You I'm know. talking about in general. Yeah. Like, obviously, Gotham got a lot of seasons, so some people were watching well, it. But. I was a little confused when they first said that Thomas Wayne could be his dad. I was like, that looks so weird. Like, and maybe it's just because Joaquin looks so bad through this. Yeah. Like, he's a normally handsome guy, and he looks so bad. He looks so aged at this point. Um, I. I had to just look up their age because Brett Cullen was born in 1956 and Joaquin Phoenix was born in 1974. So yeah, totally. He could totally be his dad. That's fine. But like in the film, they didn't look like they looked like maybe three years apart. And I was like, I don't like this. Joaquin Phoenix always makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why. (laughs) Like just something because I've seen his personality on talk shows and things like that. And he's just a weird guy well he kind of like crispin glover right where you, you see them and they're they're no real life they're very weird phoenix too. has a tragic backstory to go along with it his family raised him and his uh four siblings in a cult he was the one that found his older brother uh river dead and called the cops and he was like 14 15 at the time like so he has the weird tragic backstory to go along with the eccentric personality crispin glover i have no idea what his deal is well so to to kind of the point about the time frame though todd phillips has an answer for you ryan he said this might not be the joker this might be the character the joker's inspired okay so that's what they did on gotham too where they like initially had the character because they couldn't use joker (sighs) right they had the character that was inspiring all these other jokers but then it turns out that that original joker didn't really die and then came back to life and he's actually the joker and so whatever like it ended up being a really great Joker on Gotham, so I don't have and anything that's, to say. I'm not making a statement but, on Gotham. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little weird and whatever. But again, it's 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 feels like hedging, right? Like you write this movie where you throw in the system failing and the who knows what's real, and you also throw in, well, maybe he's not even really the Joker, guys. Like, then what movie did you make? What the fuck is this? <laughs> the, only thing, the only way I can ever see him going up against Batman is if like. In Wonder Woman, there's been the rumors that there's like a flashpoint type of event mm-hmm. that occurs, and then the two universes are merged, something like that. That's about the only way I could like, see it. There happening. are a lot of villains in the Batman universe that are manipulative or boss like villains that don't actually do the fighting. You know, Penguin, Riddler, and Joker could all be 20, 30 years older than Batman, and it's not 
a problem. It's when you get like Bane, who's 20, 30 years <laughs> older, or, you know, Poison Ivy shouldn't be 20, 30 years older. So like, I don't have a problem with Joker being this much older than Bruce. I really don't. I have a problem if in the potential sequel that Joaquin is up going forward that they they have like batman beating up an old man <laughs> like right. i don't want that to happen maybe batman will detect right <laughs> oh god batman has never detected in any That's of the true. live action films just except, adam west just adam west he's a great detective adam west he's he's a great leaper no, that's great detective work. <laughs> I do want to say, we haven't gotten to talk about it much, but Joaquin Phoenix's physical transformation, I thought the scenes where he was shirtless and it was Ooh, like he, it was, was he was actually using his body like in weird ways and they all made me uncomfortable, but they, I don't know what it was, but man, it was just like you could you could see how bad he was messed up just in the way like he moved his body and like yeah. i don't know it translated very well to me and that doesn't usually happen but he did a phenomenal job i mean he, they made he looked not, yeah. so emaciated like basically what they had to do digitally to robert downey jr in endgame you know like phoenix did to himself almost and i mean i hope he doesn't end up screwing himself up and giving himself like diabetes or something like that that has happened to like other actors tom hanks did with philadelphia and castaway yeah like that does happen i, I hope that doesn't happen because he's just trying to do his art and i appreciate that but man it was creepy yeah yeah i agree with you um him and the cinematography those are my the cinematography two shining... blew me away yeah. every scene was was a beautiful shot there was there wasn't yeah. one where i was like this is just a mediocre shot literally everything everything if that doesn't get the nom or the win for an oscar then i'd be very disappointed That's because fair. it was gorgeous yeah i mean it it that those two pieces were very very good for me um i don't know what else oh i mean <sighs> Joaquin Phoenix was surprisingly a much better dancer. (laughs) Joker could keep rhythm, and I I was pretty impressed with how he danced, to be completely honest. I I didn't see it coming. And it was Uh, a little creepy, you know, seeing... Well, I think, like, the costume and the way that he looked, like, if I just take the rhythm part of it i'm like man that guy's been through dance lessons before he he's played music he knows how rhythm works and stuff but yeah you add in the fact that you can see his ribs and he has bruises all over his back or you know the the costume when he's dancing down the stairs like that is um that adds to the creep level if he was in like a normal tux or something and he was his shape that he was for you were never really there or her then With it same wouldn't mustache. same mustache yeah. totally totally should we talk about that dance scene like should we mention the gary glitter thing or we just um i mean i think it, I, you've already brought it up so okay. yeah all right so i will admit i was completely aware of the uh gary glitter trial when it happened and i paid attention and i never thought i was going to hear that song played by a popular thing like the chiefs used it we're we're all kansas city-esque ish residents and so we grew up hearing that song at chief stadiums or in the back of chiefs games and uh they after gary glitter was found and convicted as a pedophile um you know chief stopped using it so i haven't heard that song in public and i will say because the trailer shows scenes of him dancing down the stairs to music 
they easily could have put in any song behind that. I guarantee you he wasn't actually dancing to Rock and Roll Part 2. But it it took me out of it, and I was like, that was in poor taste. So I, I recognized the song, of course, but I had no idea who that was or anything like that. But after looking into it, I mean, it happened in 2015. This movie wasn't even in, you know, production yet, you know, but it was recent enough where if you were like, well, what song should we put in our movie? Let's put in this one. You did any Googling at all. You would have found something about this. So when you're a movie studio, especially a big one like Warner Brothers, you have the resources to just kind of double check what you're going to be paying royalties on to not do that just seems irresponsible. Yeah, I'm kind of in with you in the sense that uh, I had no idea about this, the lawsuit or or whatever it was the, the trial um but even watching the movie in that scene being a kansas city native my whole life i only knew that song from chiefs games like i assumed that it was a song made for football oh, that's like funny. <laughs> I, I literally still in my head when i hear that song i'll immediately think chiefs game yeah. and that's the only context i have for it so hearing it in this context was really weird to me and didn't make any sense um it was certainly like out of left field for the rest of the film tonally yeah and like the soundtrack for most of the film is pretty good so when that came on i was like this doesn't make any sense to me they had a lot of sinatra playing in the background and i don't know why they couldn't have another sinatra song like any good question i don't know i don't know I also don't know, you know what they're trying to be so edgy. They could do what, what was that song that he had about like when he dies? There was a, there yeah. was a whole Sinatra song. I yeah. can't remember the name of it. No, but. you're totally right. Like there are some ones that would have been um, the same level of creep factor that we wanted it to be. This didn't have a creep factor. No, it was just out for, of place. It, well, like the creep factor for me is like, oh, that guy, that's, that's bad. That's bad research. That's bad. Just, oh, it just drew me out of it. And then, of course, it's a sports anthem. Like, it's been turned into a sports anthem. Mm-hmm. Chiefs weren't the only ones that used it. So, uh, it, yeah, it felt completely out of place. The like, connotation was just weird. Even if you didn't know, like, I didn't know whose song it was, you know. It was still weird. But but uh, something I brought up in chat when we talked about this stuff is that I think that the reason why the box office is so high for this movie is because of the controversy. Oh, I saw yeah. a lot of comments online that were like, Go see it before it gets pulled out of theaters, and like, it's well, not going to get gonna pulled happen. out of theaters. Like, that's not really a thing. Like, even Watchmen, when they had the trouble with the penis on screen, they just digitally changed it right. and sent out the new film like the mm-hmm. next week. So, you know, it's not going to get pulled out of theaters. But I definitely think there's going to be a big drop in the next I week agree. because it. I Everyone mean, rush out to go see it. And this is not a movie. This is you, not. You don't go see it multiple times. Right. This right? is not Endgame. You know, you're not going to go see it. It was like, like Logan for me, where it, not as good as Logan, obviously, but in the sense that you don't leave the theater like super happy and chipper, right. which is usually why I go to the movie theater. I usually want to be inspired or I want to be. Oh, no. This brought down my whole mood for like the, the rest day. of the day. Yeah. I, I was pretty affected. Lucky and... for me, there wasn't much left to the rest of the day. And I was sitting by myself at home. So <laughs> I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. People have been really mean about this movie you know because look if you're one of those people out there who was uncomfortable by it and you decided to leave in the middle of the movie or you decided just to skip it all together because it made you uncomfortable for some reason uh that's okay that's actually fine it's your money you can spend it how you want and if you don't want to sit in the movie you don't have to it's not an airplane okay you can get up and leave and anybody out there who thinks they need to insult somebody because they got up and left the movie like you're 
just being a jackass. I I I agree. I think yeah. that if you left halfway through the movie, then you missed the best part of the movie, which I don't know if you guys agree with that at all, but I think that the last act was by far But well, if the so first half made you uncomfortable and you wanted to leave, the second half's not going to do any better. Yeah, well, I mean, you're it not seeing the you beat. Yeah, but... you're not seeing the a guy that's already in a bad shape get beat down and beat down and beat down. No, even you're not. More. You're, um, you're seeing him violently murder multiple. Which people. for I mean, a lot of people is something we see in movies a lot. So that's not something that you know. I'm not sure which part of the movie is better. I can say that the the third act is certainly more interesting and engaging. The first two acts are the slower parts that I had mentioned yeah. earlier. Um, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, though, like there were. You know, legitimate threats for movie theaters for violence there were suspicious characters there were theaters that got evacuated those are real things there was that extra happened. cops at the theater when i went there and that was go. on a monday night yeah. so and so you know even for me like we saw it at 10 a.m on a sunday in a fairly nice area and i still every time someone got up from their seats or walked to a seat i noticed i usually don't you know but uh, but i'm giving the benefit of the doubt that that's not the movie's fault and no no, no it's, it's, it's definitely not you know, it's not. I just don't think it sucks that that's I just feel bad because a lot of people, including Joaquin Phoenix, did do a lot of work for this movie. And it sucks that, you know, the U.S. Army issued had it had to like I'm not saying it was unnecessary, but they issued this warning and that all these police departments were saying that there were threats and there were probably legitimate threats. But, you know, there were, it, there it's were unfortunate. Some, there were some theaters the, that got evacuated. There was one, I think it was in New York. A guy yeah. was, with a backpack just walked in in the middle of the movie and stood at the bottom by the screen and just, like, surveyed the crowd for a few minutes until people got uncomfortable and left. Like, was he going to hurt anybody? Maybe not. Was he just being a troll? Maybe. Was he just trying to find someone and he stumbled into the wrong screen room? Also possible, <laughs> right? So The problem is... Good things get ruined by bad people. It's the same argument that has been happening with like the okay symbol. Is it, you know, just meaning okay, or is it also being used by white supremacists to mean white power? Like the the thing is, you know, the swastika used to mean something completely different, but in the 1940s, some terrible people turned it into a hate symbol a hate symbol so yeah. Uh, yeah people ruin things and it sucks and sometimes we have to go with it and other times we can fight it but well that's why i want to commend like when when there are really great things about the movie you know and make yeah. sure that the people you know i can't we can't recognize every single person obviously but there no. were really good things in this movie and i do feel that you know it, it's unfortunate i always hate to see somebody that put a lot of work into something and then that get i mean 2000 people work on a movie a feature film these days yeah. you know are they all bad people no are they all good people no but it certainly seems like that, people is, that is completely hard. evident by this like i'm not going to change my opinion on todd phillips he's a douche he's <laughs> sure. a total douche and, and he's making like, everybody else look bad that was right. involved in the movie but joaquin phoenix who has had a really troubled past has constantly approved or proved to us that he is a fantastic actor. He deserves every bit of accolades for this movie that he is going to get, whether that's an Oscar or a Golden Globe or whether it's just some stellar reviews. I don't know what that's going to be, but he deserves it. And he 100% deserves it. To go back on what we mentioned, I think it was last week, the, the thing that happened on set that was leaked was a prank that yeah. was set up. Oh, that was that we, actually officially? Yeah, okay. so you were right. And I think it's important that we note that because... What was it? He like yelled that. at somebody on set. Yeah, they, on Jimmy Kimmel, they he was like, "Oh, your director Todd Phillips, he sent over this clip of uh, something that happened on set. We just want to get oh, your thoughts it. on it." And then he played it, and it's Joaquin Phoenix like chewing somebody out. 
Got it. Well, not chewing somebody out, talking about a guy on set that's like spreading rumors and calling him names and yeah. things like that and how he didn't that's, like it. That's and right. I had suspicions that it was probably a prank. Um, and it, I guess it, I didn't yeah. follow it. So it's that came out, that came out earlier today that it was indeed a prank, you know, and Did they so, show like a longer clip where Jimmy Kimmel was sitting right there or something. Cause that's what he usually does. Um, I didn't see that. I okay. read, I read an article about it. Um, but it was more of just, you know, there haven't really been reports of Phoenix really doing anything. Pulling a Christian Bale. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so I don't want to paint. He's not the Joker. He's not Arthur Fleck or whatever, you know? Um, but you know, also, if you don't want to see the movie or you left because you were uncomfortable, that's, that's okay, fine. too. Yeah, yeah. you're allowed and to do that. If you watched it and it was your favorite movie ever, I mean, okay. But I want to say <laughs> that if you came into the last half hour of the movie and brought your six-year-old daughter in... You have a problem, man. You, you really need to reevaluate your life because that actually happened at the theater when I was there. We had two parents and... They're, they brought a six-year-old in right for the scene when he's in the on the show with Murray, um, right at the beginning of that. So you, you know those assholes just got out of like a bomb oh, yeah. or they something and wanted a free. They did not pay for that movie because they were not in the theater. Then there yeah. was like five people in the theater when I saw it, so it was mostly empty. There were plenty of empty seats. So they just they stood in the back for a little bit and watched, and then they went and found a seat. And I could not believe it. I almost wanted to go say something to somebody, but then I would have missed like the entire right. climax of the movie, yeah. and it's not my responsibility to parent their kid, but no. that is not a movie for kids. It's not. This is definitely... It's very dark. It's gritty. It's disturbing. It's sad. Um, yeah. Not an inspiring movie. Not a... I hope it's not an inspiring movie anyway. I'm sure there's <laughs> right. people out there that might find it that way, but yeah. Um it's it, it's a movie that does cover some serious topics, maybe not in the best way, but um, you no, know, it's a very serious movie. Yes. Do you guys think that it warrants a sequel? No, I don't either. I, I no, mean, it's like when they made American Psycho two, and you're like, what? Yeah, with really? Mila Kunis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never actually saw that one. Um, no, I mean, I know that Phoenix is on board to do it again, and I'm not saying that he couldn't do another good job, right? Because who knows what that script would be. What other story is there to tell? I mean, you could do the time jump and have him actually confront Batman, but it just, I don't know I would that be that more works. interested in seeing an Arkham Asylum movie. Like, actually sure. seeing a group with some other inmates. Like, do you think they would do that, though? This no, movie was so disconnected no, from like, Batman that I, I feel like... But I think if you like picture one flew over the cuckoo's nest or a girl interrupted, but with Batman villains and it could be really interesting and really cool. And Batman doesn't have to be in it. But it's they just won't like, do Warner Brothers will not do that disconnected from Pattinson or whatever Batman universe. There's no way they're going to introduce not. all To be characters. honest, I'm not sure how disconnected it, it really needs to be at this point, because while Batman's not in the movie, obviously, and the Waynes are not super important to the overall plot of the film, the climax of the movie includes Bruce's parents being gunned down in the same way we've seen it happen a hundred times. Although this and time it was from a riot. And I didn't get to say that earlier, but I actually kind of like that, that it wasn't just too. like a random act of violence. Well, I mean, it was, but there was a, there was like a, a political well, it wasn't riot random. The guy on. was specifically going for Thomas yeah. Wayne. And, and there I, was, yeah, there was no question about that. Yeah. And that's a very different thing from just trying to rob a couple of people. Just a mugger. Like, well, that yeah. whole thing could have been like filled with rich people, just like we saw earlier. Like that was one of the things I was really impressed with. Cause the whole like rich versus the poor, um, earlier when Arthur confronts um, Thomas. Thomas in the bathroom at the uh, showing of the Charlie Chaplin movie, 
I loved that. I love that outside people were cold and protesting and, you know, they down on their luck. And then you go in and there's these happy, rich people pretending like nothing's the matter. Because, like, that is real life. Yeah, of all that, yeah. Well, to to your point about how the the shooting happens at the end with Bruce's parents, the way it was framed and the way it was happening and the talks of all the twists, by that point, there, there hadn't been, like, a ton of twists. I was like... Holy shit! They they're just gonna kill Bruce, and they are gonna do like a I kind of hoped thing. that that was gonna happen too, but it was fine the way they yeah, handled yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, killing a murdering a child would have been a little bit much, probably yeah. for this movie. Even this movie, like you already, it's fair. You know, I mean, it was some um, some random guy though. Like we didn't know the other character yeah. or anything like that. So in my head, like the way it was just ramped up, I, I actually like, thought the same thing. And that, I mean, at least then, then it's you not, know you're in an alternate universe, right. at least. And yeah. then you can kind of do any stories you really want because Flashpoint, what we know about Flashpoint, is fairly limited. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Do you guys have any final thoughts? No, I think we've taken a long time to cover a lot of things. Well, this movie had a lot of talking points. Sure. So. Uh, there's no post-credit scene. Yeah, for don't. anybody. I knew that, so I didn't even. <laughs> no. I, when, yeah, when we didn't either. Hit, I was booking it. Same here. <laughs> um, all right. So, do we want to do like our final grades, letter grades? We used to do that. Sure. I mean, that's fine with me. You go first, always. Um, Not always, but I'll, I'd give it a <laughs> probably a B, which I know is higher than you guys, but I think I enjoyed it more than you guys. Um, probably. And I, or at least I found more to like in it than you guys did. So, uh, yeah. I see. I was actually going to give it a C, too. Basically, it gets brought up by Phoenix's performance, and the cinematography is really wonderful. The soundtrack and score are pretty solid, except for that one, that one glitter track. But... um. Yeah, otherwise you know why it would have been brought down. So, you know, somewhere between a C and a B, I guess, for for us. Okay, Ray? All right, so let's finish this up. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Next week, join us for a bad movie review where we talk about Super Mario Brothers. The movie. The movie. Okay. Bob Hoskins. (laughs) Thank you. You can follow Screen Heroes at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter. You can follow Ryan at Buster Props on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow me at Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can follow Derek at the Star Trek Dude on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow all of the Heroes Podcast Network at HeroesPodcast.com. We are available Again, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, if you didn't know, we are also on Twitch every Tuesday night doing this podcast, and now we are on Facebook Live as well, so join us weekly on Tuesdays. Lastly, we have a Patreon. It's all right, guys. You know, if you like us, throw us a dollar here and there. It just lets us know that you want us to keep going. Like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. Quick, you have one minute. What did you think of Ed Norton wanting a dark Hulk film that Disney to- or Marvel told him no? I liked Edward Norton as Bruce Banner, so I wanted that, but... I might even like him a little bit better than Ruffalo. Really? Yeah. Hot take. That's hurtful. Is it? I like Ruffalo. (laughs) I just like Edward Norton, and I know he's a jerk, but...
Yeah, I I really liked The Incredible Hulk. I know just quality wise, it it is a little bit lower than a lot of what other stuff is out there for I like the that MCU. He cared so much about it that he wanted to go through the script himself and rewrite things. And well, he does that with a lot of his movies. Movie? No, 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 no. But the director and him Louis, did not get along. Okay, that's what it was. The, the guy who uh, just did Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance directed oh, okay. it. Yeah, I see the I see the similarities. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, CGI I mean, hasn't improved. He's certainly <laughs> not. Hulk's tongue was really little, little, the whole little. Movie. He's certainly not the worst part of the Hulk movie for me. I just don't really care for that movie across the board. No, he, so. Liv Tyler, and Tim Roth did pretty amazing. All right, here we go. Going back. 